The following story has been brought to you by StoriesToInspire.org. If you ever met Reb Chaim Kanievsky, I was at it many, many times, and I just enjoyed watching him interact. And he interacted with the smallest of the smallest people. People asked silly questions. It was amazing. I once had a driver who was a friend, and his grandson asked me, do you have a driver? I said, yeah. I said, bring him in. I said, he's not from. No, bring him in. The guy was petrified to come in. He didn't have yarmulke. He looked around the truck, tender, and he found a baseball cap. And he came in, he was standing in the room of Chaim. There was no other baseball caps. And the Chaim treated him in the exact same way that he treated everybody else. I once went to Rav Shach with my brother-in-law, Rabbi Yitzchak Tzorotskin, Badal Chaim, lived 120, and my brother-in-law, Rebel Yemeyer, and many more Talmidi Chacham. Big guns in the entire world. Chaim Ortech Osband, who was uh, very close to Rav Shach, he's a big Shiva at Israel, and others. A group of seven or eight. And I brought a Talmud of mine who was a Balchuva. He was already learning in Yeshiva. He was a from dressed fellow. He was a cousin of Elchanan. And Rav Shach had just said a shear. His shears were filled with drama and they were shouts, his shear. It wasn't just a dry shear, fighting. He would present Akasha and then stop. And the whole room erupted, hundreds and hundreds. Most people didn't know what he was talking about because he spoke Yiddish. And the Panovich, they don't speak Yiddish. I was amazed going there. So everybody says over the kasha to somebody who knows Yiddish, to a guy who doesn't know Yiddish. And then the guy said, I don't understand the kasha. I do understand the kasha. And then some guys have the guts. They have a terrorist to the kasha. So what do they do? They run over to Rav Shach and they start to fight with him. It's amazing. This Talmud of mine I'd given him a camera, a video camera, and I told him to video this shear. And if anybody asks you, asks you, who told you to do this, just say, the Rosh Yeshiva. <laughs> After you say. Obviously not Rashach, but one of the Rosh Yeshiva asked you to do this. If he asked you the name, then we don't remember. He could say Rabbi Yisrael, he could say <laughs> the kids here. After the Shir of Meir, we went to Rav Shach's house and we started to fight with him about the Shir. 
And it was a nice warm talk. It was amazing. Rav Shach had the kaiches. And at the end of the year, at end of our discussion, Shach got up and he walked us all to the door. And my Talmud was standing by the wall near the door. And Rifshach didn't give anybody his hand. A couple of people stuck their hands out to him, but he didn't give anybody his hand. Yeah, When he came to the door, he could be, Rifshach could barely see. He suddenly turns to this fellow who was standing there like a lump on a log was not involved in anything. And he says to him, Salim Aleichem, Salim Aleichem. And he takes his hand and wraps it in his two hands. And I said to him, ask him for brach, ask him something. So he asked him, you know, in Hebrew, it was amazing. This was the guy who was the furthest from Reb Shach in that room. And he went out of his way to give the guy this feelings of greatness many times. I've seen this many times. Choshava B'nai Torah, they look down with a zilzal on somebody who's not in their chavra, who's not one of them, one of their group. You have to know that in every situation, just because you're climbing the ladder, it does not mean that you should not be master of everybody. Ibtrol Salanter was one time on Yom Kippur in a shul. He didn't have a watch. And he wanted another time. So he turned to one of the Mespalim and he said, What time is it now? That man was flying in the clouds. The Kipper, the guy was really up there. And because of that, he ignored Rabbi Sorel Salanta's question. Push ignored him. He didn't say, you don't exist. So Bishol tapped him on the shoulder. Said, Yabit, because you're afraid of Yaimad Din, I'm guilty. I'm to blame. You can blame me for that. What have to do that? the The higher the Madrega you become, he said, you should work doubly in Zahiras of Kavit Chavirech in giving honor to somebody else for that's what you do on Yom Kippur there's a Chavitz Chaim story before the story his son in the Sefer Dugma Midarke Avi in the Kol Kisya Chavitz Chaim he says, my father, with all his greatness, was his mind 
was constantly focused on being Adam Lechaveri. Whether in the greatest of matters or in the smallest of matters. Come, let's hear how the Chafetz Chaim conducted himself on Yom Kippur. It was one Yom Kippur after davening by night. Most people try to be a little serious on that night. Night of Yom Kippur, you want to, you know, want to be the best behavior. You understand it's not a joking time. You don't ch- chat, no chilling. You go home, you go to sleep. Even if you're not such a Tzadik, you can have a good Yom Kippur. Chavz Chaim waits, and everybody marches out of the shul. And the Chavz Chaim stayed there to continue his avoidance of Kaddish. No, and there were some lanterns there that were giving off some light. Suddenly, his movement, Chavzchayim lifts his eyes, turns around, and he sees there's somebody sitting there. Who is sitting there? A Nebuch. An Alta Bacher, a 60-year-old Bacher, who never got married. He was one of the Nebuchs of Radin. And he never had a tzloch in his life in any area. So the Chavetz Chaim decided to put aside all his big avoidus HaKadosh. And he went to where that Bacher was sitting. And he sat down on the bench with him. He put his hand on his shoulder. And he said, Herschel, You had a hard life. Let me tell you about my life. And the Chavetz Chaim began to relate to him all the difficulties that the Chavetz Chaim had for when he was a very young boy, and he had a lot of difficulties. Great job, health, lost his father. People attempted to get him off the derech. He was poor, like anything. And he told him the life of an orphan, what it was like. And he wanted to implant in him a muna. He could never give up. The future could always turn out good. And they spent most of the night talking. Could you imagine the Chavz Chaim on the night of Yom Kippur? That's what he's doing. <clears throat> and his son writes, Rabbi Yulev, Yulev writes, there was one year he remembers the Chavetz Chaim said all the older Bachram were not yet married. He wants to talk to them after Mayriv and after the Tzfilah, the Slichis, on Leil Yom Kippur. Yeah? He wanted to tell them, Mitzvah, this year you're going to get married. This year you're going to find your zivuk. And 
you hear such a madrig of people. This is what they did. As big as they were, and on the biggest day, they didn't forget to look down. And not to look, not to be mezalzal, to be machshiv, to accord respect. There's a story with Tribnachan Zev of Kelm. The Deslers in Europe, principals named Tribnachan Zev Desler. He was a grandson of this Tribnachan Zev, who was the son of the altar from Kelm. And he died on a Friday. Erev Shabbos. On Thursday, he was already very sick, and they already felt that his end was coming. And he made a number of preparations before his departure. You know what the common denominator between all of them was? He was worried about others. He spoke to his daughters, gave them chizik, that when he leaves the world, they shouldn't take it too hard. He comforted them. Then, he called the wagon driver. And he made up with him, since he feels his end is coming. And either today or tomorrow, he's going to depart. He's afraid that because of the big turmoil that's going to happen, they're going to forget to tell his sister, the Tzedkanis, the wife of the great Reb Tzvi Hirsch Breuder, that was sick and stuck in the house. No one's going to notify her about my death. So I want to hire you now. As soon as I die, you go to her house and you're responsible to bring my sister to the Levite. Hear this? That's not a human being. Not he's paying up his debts. Not he's thinking, do I have any sforum from the yeshiva in my house? I know a couple of people who had that story. From the dying, they think they have some sforum left in the house. Could I arrange to get them out and put it back where they belong? No. He understood that you don't, no matter who, where you are, in which position you, you, you're holding, even if you're in the Kodesh HaKadosh, you're not forgetting about others, you're not letting it get to your mind, Unbelievable. <laughs> Reb Yitzel of Lajner, the son of Reb Chaim, writes, Akdam of Nefesh Chaim, that my father, Reb Chaim Lajner, was a Kodesh Kodashim, Talmud Muvah from the Gorah, he was so big, it was not what he was. He said when he had his last kaiches, 
And he was sick like anything. And his eyes were more in Shemayim than they were in the Aritz, he says. He davened and he prayed for people who he knew that were suffering. Yeah. He was thinking about the Tsar of the Klau and the Tsar of the Prat. With broken sobs. Ah, any goof who heard B'chaim Velojna was broken for this great tzaddik this great tzaddik but greater than the great we get a little involved with ourselves and we forget about everybody else that's the pshat in this sefer and that's something that we need to consider during these yimeas and we have to prepare If Hashem sends you people who need help, you reach out and you help them. Because God should give us the brains to have this awareness so that we can function and we can do the right thing. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire.org.